0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Determination comes in many forms, but always starts with a Dunkin' run. So take your medium or larger coffee in one hand and grab a dollar donut in the other. No matter how you run, Dunkin' run. A one-dollar donut with any medium or larger coffee. Excludes specialty donuts and fancies. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply.
1: Welcome into the On My Block podcast, the Green Bay Packer podcast. I'm with Saman Green. I'm about to say my gaming podcast. I doing mean, podcasts for craziness all the time, but... We're on the On My Block podcast, Packer
2: podcast, with my good friend Mike Wall. Mike, man, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm a little bit. Uh, once again, you've you've shown what a better human you are with the uh, not only the hair but the uh, the amount of hair versus me. Did I tell you that I, I saw this weekend? I'm going last week. I'm traveling, and I'm in line behind this this woman's got a baby backpack. Not the baby Bjorn, where they're in front. The, the baby's literally in the back. Like uh, okay, yeah, like I've seen the, those. Year. Yeah, okay. And yeah, the baby's just loving me, man. She's, ha ha ha. And the security guy, we're in we in Rowan, It's a small, it's a small airport. Right. Not a lot of people there. And the security guard goes, Oh, she likes you, or he likes you, I, whatever the baby was, I don't know. And I go, <laughs> it's because I look just like him, you know. <laughs> is that, that what is? it is? Yeah, it's just pathetic. You know, like, so a, just like a big white
1: fat, little, little just a big white fat little baby. Yeah, little white baby. little ball hit it uh is that the why that's the reason why babies smile at other people because they look similar is that the reason i think
2: that's why i know that here's the the two things i think i know are true i think that babies smile when they when they see something that's similar to them and dogs look at you when they poop because they feel vulnerable those are the two things i kind of know to be true okay
1: i can vouch for the dog one because i had an english bully alfred you might have seen him yeah i I remember and he he would like check over his shoulder when he had to go poop. That's when I knew it was poop time. Cause you do like this, he'll, he'll run somewhere and he'll go like this. Yep. He's on the lookout, man. He's vulnerable. He's like, you know, watching
2: over. I'm like, well, you're not going to get sniped. You know, you're not going to get taken out. This go handle you your business, sniped. bro. <laughs> it's funny. It's that's like a, that's 10,000 years of evolution. Probably more than that, but let's, exactly. hey, let's hit, let's hit this read before we get going, man. We're talking about yep. bet online. Our partners it. at bet online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find. All of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA and the NHL playoffs. Did you know the NHL playoffs were going off, A.G.? I had yeah, run. I did. I've
1: been kind of okay. well, I... catching highlights every now and then.
2: Do you, are you into it? I, I need to get into it. I, it looks like a great sport, but I just I've never figured. I just don't. It's like it's like watching 15s and rugby. Like you sometimes, you know, if you've never seen it before, you don't know what you're looking at. But
1: yeah, I just want I just wish I would have learned how to ice skate because it looks physical it's been physical the playoffs i'll have tell you a story, story
2: when we're done let me finish this real i'll tell you a story because I, I grew up with a bunch of like guys that would semi-pro right. uh, major league baseball fights and even next season by the way the fights the ufc fight this weekend was both What's fights up? were really really good right well i shouldn't say it, rose's fight was really disappointing but like the the, the the ambiance of the place was amazing and they gauge you you know he's a warrior but man that that didn't oh, olivier just beat that brakes off of that guy <laughs> um even next season's NFL futures, which we talk about all the time, Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports and needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code Believe—that's B L E A V—to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. We've talked about it before. You put in a thousand, you get fifteen hundred. I think that's the max. Now, yep. I, I want to get back to the hockey thing real quick. Yes. What is it? I grew up where all the Olympic figure skaters trained. It was it was, it was Blue Jay, the Blue Jay ice rink. So Michelle Kwan right. is technically like in my graduating class. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. But she never went to school because she was training all the time. Yeah. But we had these guys. So we had the junior, uh, Anaheim Junior Ducks. And one of our best friends, John Morandi, who was a starting center for Notre Dame in college. So okay. think about it, this guy's like Icebox, right? Wow. Dude's out there skating. With that level of like at that level of competition, right? And in high school, he was an absolute load. I, I mean, we used to go to the games and just see like it was like blood on the highway, man. It's like it was like Andy Katzemoyer hitting a, a running back, man. Oh my god, like yeah, a deer hitting a train, dude. It was insane. I love it. We, like, we love this sport. I have no idea what's going on. He might not have the puck. He might have the puck. It didn't matter. We just wanted to see. We wanted to see the action.
1: That's my same mentality. I'm like, look, I don't care who. Just give me a stick and teach me how to ice skate so I can hit people very fast into a wall. And safely into a wall That's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get on to these general topics here we got some some mid-season OTA time um, conversation hits right here so right now we're going to hit uh what do the Packers need to take the final step in terms of the roster getting that set getting our roster ready for training camp and then the regular season
2: yeah A.G. and you and I uh you know we know that we don't go and look at uh guys wearing pillow pads right now especially the rookie mini camp. i know there's a lot of guys out there and there's excitement and we talked about last week it's awesome that everyone's excited right now and you can speculate on where these guys are going to drop but it got it does go back and a lot of people said a lot of good things about uh, quay walker as far as how he looked christian Washington, as far as how he moved um so there's obviously uh devon i think matt lafor talked about why as far as the way that he moves for his size so Right now on uh, in, in pillow pads and just moving around it looks like a lot of those draft picks at least looked apart. So that is yeah. exciting, right? Because right. it just reinforces the idea that you know the guys in in the in upper brass know what they're doing. They're getting yeah. paid well because they're doing their job well. But exactly. I, we talked about this last time, and it's it's like, okay, if you would have asked me before the draft what we needed, I would have said in no particular order, tight end, like a real a real tight end solid,
1: all around tight end
2: right um uh, I, uh to reinforcement and outside linebacker yeah probably an inside offensive a dominant inside offensive lineman which our guys might grow into and they might just have fits there but if you yeah. brought in a dominant guy i would be like double thumbs up yeah and then probably and i know we have a strong secondary and I know a lot of guys were hurt last year so we don't know how they're going to reshuffle it but you and I talked about the safety position all year as far mm-hmm. as drafting a guy this year that's like high up, has a high ceiling, maybe learns from Amos from a year, maybe has an opportunity to play right now. But those are the positions that I thought, wow, we could really use a guy. Mm-hmm. And coming out of the draft, I'm not I'm not sure that we addressed directly just any of those. A lot of guys are excited about the UCLA kid, uh, Sean Ryan, but right. um, you know, he, he's mostly a tackle. You watch tape on him. He's got a great lower body, um, long you know, it, it's, excuse me, not long arms, but he he plays really well with his hand placement. But he's not a he's not a mauler, um, at least yet. At least he didn't right. demonstrate that in the Chip Kelly offense, which there's a whole litany of reasons why you might not be a mauler on Chip Kelly offense, <laughs> right? But, it's, it's well, so we don't guy. really know. I guess my point is we don't really know. But I, I don't know what, what what do you think from your perspective? Does that sound right, or is it? Or, or do you think there's some guys out there that we can just bring in right now and plug and play?
1: Um. I say right now it's really early to tell because right now you got to get the the rookies in, which they are, and get them in each scheme. So then they start reading the verbiage, understanding the verbiage, and seeing then how they relate that to from the classroom and then bringing it on the field. Um, so looking at every player at every position from the linebackers that we picked up to the O line that we picked up and the wide receivers, you know, guys just looking at you know from the wide receiver standpoint looking at how they're running their routes, how they're coming out of breaks, how they're going against the one guys. If they get in a rotation where they see a Zaire Alexander and they're they're you know, it's, it's a, a Samari, a Torre, you know, how he runs his route. Does he get intimidated? You know, is he running what he's supposed to be doing from the play that we just installed from the morning session? That's what I want to see. I want to see how that's translating order, over and then how they're I'll say able to just be themselves. The guy that we were the re- what well, there was the reason why we drafted them. See that I want to see that on the football field, and I think that's what the coaches want to see as well. You know, going throughout the and middle camps we'll, and OTAs. Yeah, I
2: was for me. I don't think you really see that until training camp starts. all uh, right just because, you start. Just because you start to see thinking.
1: glimpses though, even though it's no physicality yeah. right now, and it still won't be a whole lot of physicality because training camp is not training camp from our time. So mm-hmm. it's that eighth or ninth practice where you actually get into physicals in terms of having full padded practices going at it before the preseason game. So that's kind of where I'm just you kind of see the glimpses of what what will be once we get to the pads once we get physical.
2: Yeah, I, I'm just a big believer. It's probably a position I played that it, it really doesn't matter unless there's a threat of violence. You know, correct. I mean, it really doesn't. I, and I actually feel that way too about a receiver running across the middle, for example. I'm 100 percent of Physical, so. The way that I what's it, here's something that I, I was just thinking about. What if if you look at the way the Packers play? So we play the two deep, right? Try to play six in the box if we if we can, and just kind of play a shell defense. Let our defensive linemen control the line of scrimmage. Have mm-hmm. Hunter Campbell run around and make plays. Chris Barnes run around and make plays. Maybe Quay Walker's in that in that mix now. Tyreek Carp- uh, uh, Campbell or Carpenter that, that we just picked up from uh, Georgia Carpenter. Tech. Yeah. Very so Carpenter. you look at that and you wonder. So I guess my question is the way that we are playing. How does that affect the development of, like, let's say, a Christian Watson, right? Who is not so. In other words, we don't play a lot of press man where you got where they're getting trailed all around the field, right? Like, how how does that? How do we get those looks for those guys so when we do go up against some of the, you know, the L.A. Rams of the world, that they're ready to play against top level competition? Not that, yeah, that like Jerry Alexander is that guy, like, or he's right. getting close to being that guy, but we don't necessarily play that way day in and day out.
1: Right. right? It would be the coaches game playing for training camp so wanting to put those rookie receivers in that situation because if they doing it now you know it's hit or miss but if anything you got to hit it at training camp because like you said once they get to training camp and then soon after that preseason game and then the regular season you want to have all those questions answered you don't want to be asking yourself as a wide receiver coach a running back coach an o-line coach okay can he do this you don't, want to ask, you don't want to be asking yourself that question. You want to be already know because I saw him in training camp going against one-on-one against Zaire on a man press, and he he did this. Even win or lose, I saw him do this, and that gives me a little bit more confidence against a, a Jalen Ramsey, you know, against a ship that worked, you know, strong safety for the Rams. That gives me a little bit more confidence and the kind of future foresight, like, okay, he did this against our Pro Bowl corner, our pretty good safety, now we're going now, you know what, coach? We could run this play with him, you know, with, with Christian, we got with, with Watson, we could do this. I'm okay with that because that's how you know, that's how coaches communicate. You know, do you trust him? Can he run this route at this situation, you know, third and long or third and short? Yes, put him in there, you know, because we need somebody to be, you know, Alan Zard needs a rest or something like that.
2: You know, when we were when I was in Miami, they had this, um, one of their game management gurus, Matt Sheldon, he would have us, he would have sessions with the rookies, and I thought it was actually. You know, it, it kind of went unnoticed. I don't know how much people appreciate it, but you think of now with the lack of actual practice time, yes. especially in the off season, these guys are, they're in the building already. He used to do a, a how to watch film. And I, I do, I do this with athletes as well, but he it's, actually it's, did a hell to it, watch film thing. And it's, it's, it's it, right now for it's these so young guys, I don't think there's a, there's a better way to like get a, demonstrably ahead Nice. Then learning how to watch tape, learning how to break down individuals, learning how to break down scheme, learning how to break down coordinators' te- uh, tendencies, like understanding how to work it. And excuse me, so we used to call it: you're working tape, you're not watching tape. Like you and mm-hmm. I sit down with popcorn and a beer, we're watching. We're watching right. the game. You, you and I sit down with a notepad, we're working the game, right? And there's the difference, right? You got this. Yeah. So, so that that idea for me was. It, it was really powerful, and it's something that I hope that a lot of these guys come in and go, you know, what's the way? How can I get ahead? Well, dude, it's all—it's all been done before. And the brain—it's like we talk about all this VR stuff that people are instituting on VR, VR, VR. Yeah. dude, it's the difference. It's sexy. Between, it's, yeah, sexy it's sexy, but, but the difference between tape and VR is negligible because yes. your brain is processing it the same way, right? And so it's mm-hmm. just about—for really—it's about pattern recognition and understanding, seeing those patterns over and over, and then thinking about how you're gonna—you're gonna react. You're going to have to do it eventually, like, live. But that buildup to pattern recognition, walk through, and then actually doing it live, like, you can get so far ahead right now.
1: Exactly. You know, and that and that's something for me that was paramount because I was that – that write it down. You know, I started in college. When I got to Nebraska, even though we were simple run downhill offense, option-oriented offense, it took me in meetings – writing them writing it down when coach would say something about a block a scoop block or a double team to this i would just write it down but then go into the position meeting room then there's a second time we see it we hear it then that's another rep This all the mental reps that we always talked about in our locker room when we we're in the building that mental rep so i got now i got two mental reps before i even see the field so then hit the field now i get the actual physical reps of What I saw the coach describe a scoop block to the double team and then me catching the ball, you know, running upfield, springing upfield, but then seeing how the safety is going to come at me, reading that defense from a whole from a running offense. And then once I got to Seattle, starting to get the passing down of reading a pass defense to knowing where the blitz is coming from, the knowing how they're going to play me. If I stay in the backfield, they're going to green dog me. They're going to blitz. If I get out, then they're going to. And then I got to figure out on the run. okay, is this owner man? And how do I run my how do I run my route? Versus a zone of man. You know, I got to find that zone, find that soft spot and sit there. But it's that, like you said, that reps of getting that stuff written down. And that's, it's, I'm, I smiled when you started talking about it because this is something we have all season going on for esports, but that I am doing that on Thursday. We have a meeting, a summer meeting to say, hey, we're going to start, you know, doing scrimmages with local colleges every Friday. But then also when you have, when y'all come in here, you can only be two, three times a week. That's all I want you in here, but I want you in here to play for a little bit, but I want you to hear right to, right, you know, go on YouTube, find a game, you know, find a, a championship series or a tournament championship game and take the notes and then teach them how you say, how to break the film down, not just watch it with popcorn and a Sprite, but break it down with a notebook and really stop, pause, write down, stop, pause, write down through do the whole process. So you really see what the pro players were doing at a top level or what, you know, players that you like or somebody that was doing something wrong, you kind of get all the details of it.
2: Yeah, great point. And, and one thing that's happening now is because I know they do this in the pros. I don't know down to what level they do it, but a lot of the a lot of the game plans are installed on your iPad. Yes, and it so is. 100%. Take, and, so, and so you can't take notes. And so, like, I, I was actually I was actually with a pro guy last week, and we were installing his offense, right? Because he's away mm-hmm. from the team, so right. we're working on his arm. So we're I come like, up on the grease board and saw the offense, and I was it was so refreshing. Like the guy had a notepad, and he was just taking notes, notes, With, notes, with notes, pen and notes, paper, right? correct. Right, yes. pen and paper. And it's like, you know, if you think about how you learn, you know, everyone's, you know, you have, you have audio, you have audio, visual, yeah. you have kinesthetic, you know, etc. all these different ways you learn, experiential. But what you try to do with every human is you try to have, you, you try to hit as many of those as you can. Right. So you want to be able to see it. You want to be able to talk about it or regurgitate it. You mm-hmm. want to write it down because it's just, it's just reps, right? It's just reps. Right. And so the, the more you can, the more, the more of those things you can hit, like the ideal thing to do is actually stand up and go for like get on a, a treadmill going slow and walk while you're doing it. You actually pick up more. That's what science is proving to us. Yeah. Mm. Which is nuts. Right. But because we're all kinesthetic learners, especially athletes. Right. So exactly. anytime you're moving, you actually do a better job of, of, of uploading information, at least in the short term. So, right. Yeah, it's it's there's a lot of different things that these guys have to learn. But I think fundamentally for us, like for both, it sounds like like just learning how to work that film is really going to help out.
1: It's important. It's important because it, it does a lot of stuff. And it's filling the gaps a lot faster for a player that's really trying to really search and develop to say, OK, how you know, I was I was great at the college level, like a Watson, for example, Christian Watson. He dominated at the college level. How can I get to that same level and how fast can I get there at this level? And for me, it was about a three year track. Two years within my first two years, I was like halfway there. And then once I came here, it was all about the way I took notes, learned at Nebraska. And then once I took the notes and then transferred the process, how I took notes with Seattle, with Dennis Erickson as the coach. And then whoever um, um, I can't know, uh, Jur- was my Um, offensive coordinator but i had to unlearn that to my second year with my home run coming in and and then what you guys already knew and then once i got to green bay two years under mike sherman so that two-year process three-year overall is when i kind of i hit my stride and y'all saw that here i was very comfortable knowing the playbook then i could just go out there and be me on that football field because then it was just about you know playing football at that point
2: it's interesting. I, you know, I always wonder about this, too, because we were we were fortunate to go to a team that like a lot of the guys that were playing the position in front of us were doing things the right way. Mm-hmm. So when you come in and you watch tape, you know, Dorsey's on the tape. Exactly. You're probably looking at the right stuff to do. Whereas, I mean, keep, like maybe you go to the Jags or I don't, I don't wanna, like, you know, pick on teams. Right. But you go to a bad team and like every film is like, you know, uh, Keystone Cops or something like that. And they're going the wrong directions it would be, it, think about how much, I don't really ever think about that, but think about how much harder it would be where all the tape you're watching is that's like, you thing. have to, you have to correct it for that guy. And then, you know what I mean? You have to be on top yeah. of it to be like, oh shoot, that's actually wrong. Like right. I wonder if they go through in the off season and the coach is just like cutting out all the bad plays. And like, I only want you to watch the, these cutups of the right stuff. I know a lot of guys do that anyways, but right. you know, usually as players, we watch film. And I know we're getting off on a tangent here, but we usually try right. to watch film in chronological order. Because we want to know Good the it reason in behind the last, like the last play means something to the next play. We want to know exactly. how that guy set you up. At least that's what we do on our offensive line. Like we can watch the third down tape, but we would also like to watch the tape in chronological order because I want to see how a guy wears down. I want to see how he works, moves in in succession. You know, I want to see where all this stuff you know comes up. And same with <laughs> the running backs. Same with running backs. Yeah, it, it would just. But you know, coaches want you to watch cutups. Right. Well, I want to third down cutups. Right. Left no. hand to cut cutups. And it's like, dude. Well. I'm going to watch all of it. I'd rather just watch the whole thing because now I know exactly what I'm looking at. And then I'll go back and watch those, you know, as long as it's because now I have context in what point in the game are they doing these. And then I can watch those again to study a a specific move or a dog or a blitz or way the guy turns when you, when you try to shift his hips. But I want to know the context beforehand of like why he's like, why he, how he got there.
1: Exactly. hundred percent. So uh, we'll take it to the next question here in general topics here. What are a couple areas that we kind of hit on already where uh, the Packers can improve from last year to this year coming up in the 2022 season? So I'll uh, let you start it off there.
2: <clears throat> well, I think the first, the most obvious one is special teams. And obviously, they oh. you know, to, to come in and take care of it. But special teams and, you know, I, I don't know if it'll be interesting to see if they're bringing somebody to compete with Mason Crosby. You know he's been right. there. He's done, he's done. such a great job. He's been a great. But he, he, the last couple of years, he's missed some big kicks. Um, but just the just the the whole culture of, and we talked about this before. What does that mean for the larger culture of the team? But just the culture that is in that room right now, mm-hmm. and just demanding a little bit more out of yourself and your teammates. I think that's that's a very very obvious one. Um, yep. But the the other thing is kind of nuts is the Packers. You know going into you know going into like the middle of December last year we're scoring about a touchdown less than they had the year before yeah aaron, aaron rodgers um i'm looking at his qbr right now he was about 10 points higher the year before and he's you know two-time mvp so it's like we're splitting hairs but yeah. uh, but, but the point is offensive efficiency was down last year and we can point to a number of different reasons why right mm-hmm. but in particular red zone offense and defense on this team was not very good
1: and that's not so, a good place to be down. Yeah. In middle,
2: the, of middle of December um, 25th and offensive touchdown rate of, of 55% and then 30th on defense with an opponent touchdown rate of 72%. Yeah. So, so that's a resident, that, you know, the differential is pretty high um, and there's only a couple teams that are worse. I think Vegas and maybe Detroit were the only two teams that had a worse differential as far as being able to score versus getting scored on in the red zone. Yeah. So maybe aside from special teams, that's probably the most obvious one, at least for me.
1: Right, right, and and I'll say just from a um, the off season and what's transpired during the off season, I'm gonna go through the obvious. You know, with having the big changes with Devonte Adams gone, I'll say so now. The question is, who's gonna be the number one receiver? And then we got we got the we got the characters there. We got Allen Azar. We got Christian Watson. We have uh, Sammy Watkins who's coming in, and then we have Amari uh, um, from Clemson. It was a kick returner mostly. So now is the question: is from that bunch? Because we know this is a, this is a vital part of that offense. Um, so it's, it's somewhere in the neighborhood 30-40 percent of that offense, along with the run game and what Aaron does with the ball. You know, decision making at the line of scrimmage. So just seeing who's going to step up, you know, in that wide receiver group along with the rest of that offense to see to, because obviously every game we knew that if Aaron gets is in his role, gets comfortable with Devontae, then this is a good chance for the Packers to win their game. So now it's going to be, who's that next guy? That's going to be the guy, the first or second guy that Aaron throws to. And and, and, and then on the flip side of that is this, now this guy, he's done it in the past, but he's more done it because then he's gotten in a groove going to Devontae then he can then mix it around. But, He's got to learn. And I'm talking about when I'm talking about he is Aaron, learn yeah. how to get he's done it before. But now he's got to be in his mindset 100 percent of the time going to multiple receivers, not getting stuck on one guy, because as we saw in some games, he would just it was Devonte, It was Devontae. First game of the uh, second game of the regular season when they beat 49ers for their first victory of the year. And that fourth quarter drive to get Mason into field goal range. It was all Devontae. It was two big catches yeah. and two big throws to Devonte, But a defensive, smart coordinator and smart defensive backs know, OK, once they figure that part out, they're going to deal with double team, rough them up at the line, get to that one receiver that you like. So it's just get to multiple guys, you know, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers that are you're not usually the first selection, but try to find a second, third, fourth, which I we know he can do because he's done that before. Yeah, you
2: think about the not, Arizona like, game my, last year when son. they had a couple of receivers out and he, he went out and dominated. Um it, it, it would be interesting to think with a guy like Aaron Rodgers and the way that he likes to control the the, the play at the line of scrimmage, the way that like, mm-hmm. he likes that. Not, I, I don't want to say ad lib, but he has the ability to kind of change midstream what, what what what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. When you have yeah. a guy like Devontae, where you kind of go into the game knowing that he's going to get double or triple team, like in the case of Baltimore triple team. Correct. Now that you're <clears> going to see a defense that is a little more balanced. Cause if I, if we're just staring at the, at the screen right now, you know, as of day one, the only guy that I would even think about, you know, telling my safeties to take another look at is the new kid Watson. Cause he can run a four, three, six and he's six, five. Mm-hmm. I just think of Bradford like, you know, every once in a while, the kid's just going to run deep and he's going to get the ball. Right, so right. aside from that, like we're not, you're not looking at Randall Cobb. You're not looking at Lazard. You're not looking at, at this point until he proves he, You're not looking at Sammy Watkins going like, Oh, we're going to just, we're going to bracket that guy because he's, he's been so dominant. And right. so now you start wondering like, it's Aaron Rodgers. So they can't just start loading up the box. AJ Dillon and, and Jones are still going to eat. Yep. Right. It might, it, and we could, we can, we have the ability to go four wides. Like we don't even have to have a tight end in the game, really. And, you know, it doesn't really help no. unless it's Mercedes Lewis. It doesn't help our running game, anyways. So mm-hmm. I just start wondering about, you know, it, with a guy at that level is it is it easier or is it more difficult now when it's going to be like, let's call it for lack of a better term, like it's more fair, like then we're playing fair on defense now. They're not just trying to like take out one, like your best player. What wonder right. if it's easier for him or he's like, damn, man, I, I kind of liked it when I knew everybody's going to be over there because I could throw it over here.
1: Right. Yeah, it's going to make him and the defense honest. And we've said that. That was a term that we use in our locker room, you know, keep the, make the defense honest. Because I remember for us, we started to get nine guys, 10 guys in the box because they knew what we're doing. We're doing 92 blast, 93 blast, 96 power, uh, 97 counter. And so the Bears, the Lions and any other team we face were nine guys in the box, 10 guys in the box. But then what that did, that opened up the pass game for Javon Walker and Robert Ferguson, Dotto Driver. You know, those receivers to get open downfield, the tight ends as well. So keeping that defense honest, but also keeping that quarterback honest to say, hey, you got other options out here. You know, let's do this. What Robert it- Ferguson's doing right now. He is, you know what? The last time I, I like him, that guy. I would love his kid. Great kid. Remember, he used
2: still, to do that.
1: He used to do the the the, the He used to do the Bird sound
2: in <laughs> huddle, man. I thought like this is he, he's back fun. home. Yeah. He's back home in Houston, um, okay.
1: and he is a softball coach for his daughters. He has three or two or three daughters that all play softball, and they're really good. I'm gonna and, go down. and I'm
2: gonna go see him. I see. I, yeah. I hope he's raising dogs. I hope the god. He's I think he still dogs. is. He so he's he, raising dogs and daughters. Yeah, he, he has all be.
1: girls. No I'm
2: gonna
1: go down or, and get a dog off him. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll text you his number. You get yeah, it. text he me.
2: Honestly, I honestly, I'd be dead serious. I, he was one of those guys I just he, I couldn't help but like. He was an AM kid, right? Yep, yeah, he went to College yeah. Station. Yep, A and M kid. I, I haven't talked to big, him big I I yeah, I yeah, a Big receiver. He was, he was a stud. Story. Yeah, he was. He Did he was you ever listening. see him in the weight room? Of course, I lived in the weight room. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, remember,
1: I remember one time I came in the weight room off season this time of the year, and he's got four bills on the bench press. Yeah, he's no, he was no slouch. I was like Fergie. It's February. It's May. He's an AG. I, I gotta get him off the press. They
2: gotta get off me. I'm like, okay. It's because David Boston was playing receiver back then. Everybody's yeah. Like, it, it, whatever I'm doing, I remember. Hey, listen, I remember. I'll never forget. We went to Arizona. Yeah. We walked up that damn quarter mile concrete. It was like I 120 degrees walk, outside. And I remember we walked out. We're walking onto the grass at Tempe. This is before they were in you know the nice stadium and they were at the Arizona State outdoors. Yeah. And David Boston was in our end zone catching balls, and I and so it's all the offensive defensive linemen, David Boston said there, and we all felt like we felt like assholes, like we were. His arms were so big, dude. He was, he was like two hundred seventy-five pounds. His arms were like, I mean, I can't like whatever I say, you're gonna go. He's making it up, like, dude. He no. his arms were like having a helmet on your shoulder, like it was. It was like that, yes. dude. It was it was just insane. He was and he then, was
1: swole. He was swole, as we say. We were swole. So let's get on to uh, trench warfare here. And listening to the podcast. So first uh, topic and the only I say first couple of things here is let's let's so we're gonna try to break out some tape here,
2: Mike. Yeah, so or, let's so AG, we're, let, the, let's try to audience. get some tape going and I'm just gonna warn everybody, we don't have access to I thought I had access to Exos today and we don't. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna try to go through some, uh, we're gonna go through Zach, we're gonna go check some quick take on Zach Tom because Christian watching and Zach Tom are the two draft picks I'm probably most excited about in terms of what their potential is. Because of the athleticism that they bring to the table versus people around him, like, I should probably say the same thing about Devontae Wyatt, right? But he's a Georgia guy, so everybody kind of knows him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we we were going to break down. We'll just pick a game from NFL Game Pass. Now they, I'm just going to warn everybody: like the end zone copy is shoddy, so we'll probably have to do some editing here, AG. But let's give it a, let's give it a whirl and see what we can do. All right, sounds good, Mike. Let's do. Uh... Let's watch the Zach Tom film first because
1: a kid out of George. was he? A George? No, um, Pitts.
2: He's a kid out of Wake Forest. Wake Forest. So, Wake Forest so here's what I like about Zach Tom. Okay, very okay. simple. Zach Tom to me is a kid. When again, when you run a sub five at offensive lineman, you're going to be a good player. Yes. Okay. And so, and you, and I look at those guys a little bit differently. So you look at his stance right now, and I can immediately go like, okay. He's a little bit upright for me, but you, know, you can tell that he can bend at the hips and he can bend at the knees. Right. Look at all this tape, and I'm going to go back one play or a couple plays to show you something that because you, you know, AG, I don't. Here we go. That right there. You see it? Yeah. That's He's totally all for as an offensive lineman or a, or a coach or a scout. That's all I needed to see. Okay, because I know he doesn't have the best technique. I know he doesn't have the best footwork. But do you see how he unlocked his hips immediately? Yes. Dude, other people can't. Look at these guys. This is what this looks like. This guy's straight up and down. Look at his hips. Yeah. Right? It's, it's totally easy. fully I mean, extended. Fully yes. extended. And, and like, I know he's not dominating this block. I'm going to show you guys again. And he, he kind of shuffles into his place. So we can work. Like, you can train footwork. You can train hat placement it's really hard for an offensive line coach to train that. And right. if you can do that, because he's only like 100, he's only like 300 pounds, so he'll only be on the right of term. But if you can train that, you're going to be okay.
1: Yeah. And you look so, at also his inside leverage. He got that inside hand already in the pad, you know, and I know that just from when I pick up blitz, if I'm going to my left, I got, or, you know, my right hand has to be the strong hand. Yep. You know, my left hand can be this more of the control part, but then I could kind of guess fill the what the DN or whoever I'm blocking can go, and that's what he did right here.
2: Let's let's check out maybe one maybe one more play because, of course, we stole this off of.
1: Uh... Yeah. Thank you, ACC.
2: Yeah. <laughs> ACC <laughs> Network. Way to go.
1: <clears throat>
2: this is uh, by the way. This is a side note. This is what I'm talking about. You know, it's an offensive lineman's highlight tape, and we got to watch the 80 yard run. Like we right. can't. why are you, you know why are you, I you still hey, G, G, I know you this. you have your own highlight tape. I you exactly. know, we don't need to watch you put you know, here we go in a celebration. I'm 100 percent on top of that. I agree with hey, you. Okay, check this that. out. These okay. are real this is no joke numbers. 49, 440, and a 33-inch vertical for a big man. Hey, that's scary. I mean, offensive lineman, like that's that. really, really good, man. You don't get a lot of guys that can do that.
1: That's an athlete right there.
2: Okay, so again. This isn't look this doesn't look like much of a play. But he did his job. He got hands inside, shuffling his but, feet. But look at the feet. Yeah. His feet, his feet are underneath him. His hips time. are underneath him. And again, right there. He gets his hips underneath him. He he this guy is a he's a hip hinge athlete, right? Yep. And we talked about this before. Like, we don't do a very good job of coaching these athletes of these offensive linemen, like they're athletes. This guy is a bona fide athlete. He's a hip hinge player. He can unlock his hips. Yep. He proves he proves it with his tangibles, with his 40, with his vertical jump, his shuttle. But he, he's proven it on the field. It translates. Exactly. And so you can teach all the footwork and all everything else, right? Not a big deal. But you, you cannot, right, unless you really mm-hmm. understand what's going on, it is very, very difficult to translate or teach that, weight room hip hinge to translate onto the field yeah so if man. you can do that and, and unlock your hips like i am immediately interested because i know that i can teach hands i know i can teach footwork i know i can teach sporting intelligence mm-hmm. right but it's that it's that little athleticism that shows me like that's 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 something you're not going to see from like 85 percent of the guys
1: yeah because he, he's doing something innate you know something that you're like, oh, how did he do that? Was this coach? Was this something that he just does on his own? But then it shows you as a coach, get that extension. Then he can he knows how to get there right away. And then he could, like you said, shuffle feet underneath his body, keep him um, uh, even because when he gets unbalanced, that's when you have a problem as a blocker. When you're unbalanced, that's when the defensive end or the linebacker or whoever you're blocking has a, has a win in the situation.
2: We basically want our offensive linemen, I'm going to say this the right way, we want our offensive linemen athletically to look like you are like you running backs mm-hmm. picking up these guys, the way that they're shuffling and moving. Correct. Right? We want you technically to look like us, but we want our linemen to look athletically in this very small space. But the way that you act, the way that you move your feet, the way you keep your feet underneath you, the way you activate your hips when you make contact. Mm-hmm. We want our alignment to look like your running backs. Right. If we right. can find guys, if we can find five guys that look like you from a from a small space, athletic, engage in confrontation, footwork and explosive hit standpoint, mm-hmm. we're going to be OK. Right. Because we can yes. teach all the rest of it. It's hard to teach that athleticism. Yeah.
1: Those are the small detail parts. You know, those are the parts where you actually gain control of the person you're blocking and they don't control you, basically. When you can do that little, little detail stuff, like you said. So.
2: Uh, all right, A.G., let's watch. uh Let's watch Sean Ryan is playing left tackle right here. We'll go through a couple clips and just see if we can pick out anything interesting. So AG, right off the bat, when we're talking about Sean Ryan, what I like about him, this is what I like about this player though, right here. He does a, he does a really good job of extending his hands. He's really good with his targeting. He plays with a good base. Mm-hmm. see his Maybe. sets. Like, you know, the Chip Kelly offense is, is difficult because yeah, there's so much fast direction. Such, yeah. All right, so what I side. like about this kid is he plays with a great base, and he's got good targeting with his hands. I like his hip hinge out of his stance. You know, he, he gets a little bit tall at times. And, you know, just as a consequence, I think, of the Chip Kelly offense, you just don't know how physical he's going to be. But you see the way that he punches and extends. He's playing left tackle here. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm able to catch
1: a little bit of it. And like you said, hand placement for all linemen or going into a block in general is your first um, more, I say it's your first priority because obviously that slows the defender down. Um, But then also you can start reading his body with your hands. And what I mean by that, if you, you can start feeling the fact that, okay, he's going to keep pushing and bull rushing or he's going, but he's coming out of it. He's going to have to go into a spin. You could fill that with your hands. And so, as a blocker, you're, you're, you know, people think, you know, we do they block when you block? Do you hold? Yeah, you can once you get in tight. But also, you, you then, once you start filling that rotation out, if they go into a spin move or a swim, you got to then flip from here to here and then follow the body to, to, to find the point where you can reattach again. Because the referees are not going to throw the flag when you're in tight. They're going to throw the flag when the defender that you're blocking pulls away and they see Jersey. That's when the flag is thrown. So when you feel what he's doing, if he's bullying bullying you, perfect. You just stay right here and you just kind of hunk down. But then if he starts to pull away and he's spinning to your left, then that's when you go from here to here and then you just guiding him and trying to keep him out of the pocket, keeping the pocket pocket wide for the quarterback because you don't want to collapse him, collapse you into the pocket to shorten that pocket for the quarterback.
2: One thing that we teach now, and uh, I'll I'll go through and I'll put a couple clips up and I'll add it to this. Yeah. But one thing we one thing we teach now is with a guy like Sean Ryan, I like that he extends. So yeah. one thing that yeah. I teach is you, you really want to keep a guy punch and extend it out. You want to like that Bruce Lee one inch punch because you want to shock people. It's like having yeah. a really good jab. Mm. Okay. Because you want to be able to stop momentum. But what that really is for athletes for, for offensive linemen is recovery time. Okay. And you yeah. just think about it very simply, right? Like when you hear a good defensive line coach talk, they want to smell your breath before they do their move. I Meaning they want to be intimate. Mm-hmm. They want to be up here. They want to attack elbows and, and armpits. Mm-hmm. Right. And what I want to do is I want to keep you out at bay so I can move around and I can punch and extend here. And this wasn't always taught. It used to be like get them in close and we want to wrestle with them. Right. But the 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 thought process is if you start looking at other sports, other martial arts, Charlie's all this such stuff it's like, no, yeah. I actually want to create some recovery time. For one, I want to get them out here because my punch here is better than a push from here in other words if i was like jumping
1: it's like the jump you you were right
2: if if you were going to try to knock me out you're not going to knock me out with your arm with your fist or your armpit and i'm two inches away and you're just hitting me here you're going to put me all the way out here and you're going to pop me where you punch and extend okay Mm -hmm. it's the same thought process i want to deliver all that power with the least amount of work so it's the most efficient and then that also builds in they want to do a spin move They chop my arm. I can recover. They go inside. I can use my feet and recover with my arms, but I have that built in two feet really Mm -hmm. to, to give myself as a cushion. And what we do, what we see a lot of times is these guys are trying to kind of maul and get real physical. And then they get in tight and that's when, or they get their hands out here and they're trying to time. And that's when a guy gets a step or half step closer, chops the forearm, chops the elbow, chops the arm, you know, gets his hand under the armpit. And the offensive line has a lot of problems
1: right right and you're getting them in hands right and then, and then once you extend you get that punch you're able to make the contact and then get them gotten back to reset position don't just leave them out there unless you got you could gain control of them differently. If can, or if
2: you can if you can grab pads and some guys like some guys tape some guys right. don't if you can grab pads we used to call them handlebars if you can grab handlebars you just grab them yeah great right. but if but if you can't because it's because then the game's over and if you have your hands inside and you grab like this and the guy's trying to move you're never Mm -hmm. going to get called. If you have your hands outside and they're trying to move, you're going to get called. So it's just, it's just a you know, you're always grabbing the exact same spots and you're just – if they're giving it to you, then you're going to take it. If they're not giving it to you, then you just got to punch and stand and get that guy off you because usually what happens, especially with like a blitzing linebacker, once you stump him, dude, you say they don't have a second move. No, usually
1: the average ones don't. The good right. ones do. The good ones. Yeah, they, oh, ha- they have a
2: second, but they might have a third. And, and except for it's like, unless his name's like John Randall, they don't have a built-in third. In other words, right. if they do their chop club rip and you stone them, the next That's thing it. they do is going to be a shake swiper or a shake bull. Like they don't have anything. They don't have a, a, another a stab club rip. Like they don't have another move to come up with. They yeah. just are kind of going, all right, we got it to a certain height. We got a bull rush now.
1: Right, and he stopped me. And uh, what else to do? And then John, I say John Randall. He's just a guy. He just go into berserk mode. Just whatever worked, he would he would go in and make it happen. You know, and he had the energy. He had the motor to initiate that. That was the that was the thing for him. That motor was hundred percent.
2: Yeah, he was am- right. he was amazing. And I I tell people like he would beat you on his first move, spin back into you on a second, and then beat you with the third one. And you're like, dude, you just beat me twice. It only counts for right. one. Right. <laughs> Because he was moving so
1: fast, he was a Tasmanian devil, but like how he would, you know, mess around when they put the mic in his uniform. And he'd be like, Yeah, he would do that. He would be Tasmanian devil you. And then, like you said, he just beat me twice. Like, man, okay. I remember we were playing
2: feel, grow, grow I remember we playing myself. the uh we were playing the Seahawks and they just they just brought him in, we played him in that playoff game. And I have a oh, broken yeah. hand. And they lined John Randall up. And we beat the brakes off him. That remember we scored seven touchdowns or five touchdowns in a row.
0: Right. Thirty-five points right. in
2: a row during the regular season. So then they yeah, had to come back and right. play. They had Rocky Bernard. They had a bunch of good players in their D line, and uh, they played us way better that that time. But I remember I've got this broken hand, and John Randall. Like to me, John Randall's still John Randall. I know he's not the same guy to everybody else. Oh yeah, dude, you
1: respect, it's respect. Yeah,
2: he, he's he's still the guy to me. And I'm like, holy hell! Like, what am I? And it's my inside hand. I'm like, oh my god, this is going to be awful. And uh, he did this. He had this new move where he was doing a, he was doing a stutter. Up with his hands and he'd spin, but he'd spin to the outside. And I was, and I just seen it and seen it and seen it and seen it. And he did, he did this and I just punched and took another kick and he just spun right into me. I was, like, oh, thank God. Cause he didn't get that many reps like during the game, right? Like, right. This, he was like more of a third down guy at that point. But you're, you know, you're just, you're, it's like you're playing the chess match. And yes. if he's one of those guys, if like you're reacting to him, like you got to be a little proactive with him. If you yep. react to him, you, you got some big problems. But God. I remember even even at that advance, like that was the last year of his career, and I was like, "This is the, this you got Just makes me uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. It's the, it's the respect
1: level that you have because of what he's done in the past, and where you know he's going after he's done playing the game, and what he done, you know, when he was at his That's peak. So yeah, it's all of that. Is all of that. So we're gonna take it into get off my lawn and Get off that my lawn. the weather is good so i know grass is growing in austin texas mike because grass is growing here in green bay wisconsin so <laughs> and we have no grass mold. is dying
2: here in austin texas man we have oh, yeah. one week where it we got rain die.
1: grass went green it's hot again got it and so we're getting a hot. we're it feels like 80, it, it feels i think it's around 80 today and we have was it to help the bees of the world uh no mo may so we got that going oh. on here in <laughs> Wisconsin. So just to let you thing, know.
2: We have this thing here where we, we were the first, like in MLS, this is the first week and it was here that they had to do like water breaks for the first time. It was too hot. They have heat Oh, so.
1: wow. Well, that's Texas. Yeah. 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 I've been, but you know, I, I'm, yeah. I remember my rookie season in Seattle preseason, first preseason game in August, middle of August, first week of August in Dallas, Texas, playing the Cowboys, 1998. Whoa. It was and that's when they had Astral Turf. Hmm. So, yes, I know that very well. So, the first one you got on here, something that had always been a big topic when we were players, and now is something still floating around, and some players are getting them is guaranteed contracts. So, yep. why do we see the Well, here's
2: the here's the deal: like we start talking about the offseason, and we start you know, we talk about guys are now getting some of these rookies are getting fully guaranteed contracts, and there's there's stipulations in place that the NFL players association the players made the mistake of forcing owners to put up a essentially a, a guaranteed bond at X amount of dollars would be available for this guaranteed contract. So like, in other words, with the Sean Watson contract being $250 million or whatever, the owners had to put like 150 or 125 million or something like that somewhere to guarantee the payment of that. Right, I don't know if it was hundred percent of it, but the point is like, there's no, with that stipulation in place, there's literally no way an owner could ever justify putting that much money aside for a, a, more than like one player, more than a handful of players. Like, even if you're a billionaire, dude, you're not going to put, you know, $250 million aside every year for guaranteed contracts. It doesn't make sense. They need to get rid of that stipulation. But what's interesting to me is like, we always talk about with the <clears> NFL, it's players versus owners, players versus coaches, or, you know, even though they, everyone's working together, it's like yeah. NFL PA versus the owners, right? Correct. And it's because you don't have the incentives aligned. And so, you know, I I spend time with guys that are trying to kind of become the best version of themselves so they can either stay on the same team and continue to make that money, get a Mm -hmm. second contract, like make as much money as they can, have the best career they can. And when you have conversations with these guys, you know, I always go like, well, if you were aligned, in other words, if if the team signs you to a five-year, got money you wanted, fully guaranteed deal – what would, you, what would you say to their demands in as far as like you coming in, you only working with their people? Because right now the onus is like, all right, we're going to pay you. We're not going to guarantee it. And if you play poorly because like you come into our building and we don't have, I don't know, we don't have a nutritionist. We don't have a martial arts guy. We don't have the best tape guy. We don't have the best technique guy, whatever it is, We don't have the best weight training program, right? right? We, we want you to be part of our team, but if you don't play well, we're going to cut you. And your money's not guaranteed. So it's like if you really want to align the incentives, guarantee the money as long as they do, they they come in, they do the hours, etc. Like all the requirement is that you show up and work there. Right. And then all the every single guy that you talk to, to, every NFL player at least, to a man, would be like, Yeah, dude, I'll show up. Because now you've proven to me that you are going to get done what needs to get done to me, be the best version of myself. Because now you you are on the hook. It's not me being on the hook anymore with my future. You're on the hook, owners, coaches, etc. You're on the hook for for both of our futures. Because if you aren't training me to be my best, now you're on the hook for all that money. And so, if you right. want to align incentives. So you got to get them in there.
1: Yeah, and, and that's something I've when I've talked with friends and uh, teammates about this is it makes it it makes sense. Um, looking at and learning through my career, knowing a few NBA players that. Their contracts are guaranteed Major League Baseball. I know for a fact I met an agent who represented a pitcher for the, I believe, the Cubs or the Astros years ago, and we had a conversation. I asked him, how do you negotiate and what's guaranteed and what's not? And he said, pretty much fully guaranteed. Um, But they do this, Mike. And I don't know if you know any Major League Baseball players or agents, but this was mainly at that time, 2014. This is what baseball does with Triple A rookies, first round draft put rookies. It doesn't matter. So if even if you're a number one pick for whatever team, or you that Triple A kid that kind of got finally got there and got drafted in the third or fourth round of Major League Baseball draft, what they do is no matter your contract, your first three years you're going to get two hundred fifty thousand dollars, no matter what. Right. And then boom, after the next three years, another two hundred fifty. So that means five hundred thousand the next three years. So for the first nine years of your career, you've earned you know, minus taxes, uh, $900,000, almost right under a million. And then after your ninth year, then you could get whatever, whatever your big deal is after yeah. that. So then this is why they like,
2: go to arbitration, right? This is exactly. why all these the really good players go to arbitration because they're like yeah, in, in baseball, in yeah.
1: baseball incorrect. You know, so having that for one peaks to me, it teaches you how to budget, you know, cause we learn right away. I know I learned right away. I already knew coming into college, you know, I was, Working jobs when I was in high school and all that. So, but players sometimes at our time didn't know how to budget all this. You know, they were getting these big checks, being first round, second round, third round, fourth round. Regardless, they were big checks. I don't care what round you were drafted in. They were probably the most money people had seen in their lives at that time. And then you got to learn how to budget that. You wasn't just budgeting the $500 you're getting for working at the McDonald's, you know, you're, and then you're budgeting not just for your 12 months out of the year, you're planning for. This is we're going to be done playing what 35, 40 years, you know, not even 40. Well, some 40 for players that are quarterbacks, wide receivers. But majority, the average, you're usually done. If you have a decent career, you're done around 31, 32 years old. And so that means we're just starting life. So you're programming. You got a plan for that. And then uh, and then, like you mentioned, with the whole having it all guaranteed is basically saying to the player and the organization, For me as a player, if you guarantee my contract, then it's like, you know what? I have nothing else to think about but play play top-end football. That means I got to get myself ready during the offseason to be ready for the regular season because I got guaranteed money. So then I don't have to worry about anything that I got to, you know, look forward to. Oh, man, this is the last year of my first contract, but it's already been guaranteed. So money's coming regardless if I get hurt or not. But, you know, minus injury, I'm here to do my job. And then the team is on the hook, like you said, to have that money. Ready available for that player once they sign it, that's fully guaranteed. And it just, I think it, it takes away a lot of the pressure because you know, when you're in that last year of your deal, you're in that contract year, and you know, it's not, you know, this is it. If you don't ball out this year, you don't get another big contract. There's potential, it's a gray area. You might be on the fence. If it's injury or you just didn't play well, you could be shipped out or cut from, you know, from that roster. So, then it, it evens the playing field. And I say, like I said, it takes a lot less stress. It takes stress off the mind as a professional athlete when that contract's fully guaranteed.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I think the pushback on it is always, well, you know, people get when people get comfortable, they're not, you know, they're not as sharp. True. And there's a lot of guys that um, a lot of guys are playing football or playing any professional sport because they're good at it, not because they love it. And so, Correct. you know, and that doesn't like this doesn't compete with you. Um, cause you just like playing ball, but you know, there, there are a lot of guys who are doing it just for the paycheck cause they don't really love the sport. And so if you, you know, the fear is if you give them I mean, money, right. then they're, then they're not going to perform at the level they're going to take that and go. So there's gotta always be some sort of stipulation in there, but listen, it happens across every other sport. And I, I really don't think that injury with football is really the the legitimate argument anymore. No, as I can't. far as why we don't guarantee the contracts but i do think i do think especially now and look and it's tough to say this but like you see all the people retiring early because of like cte or um ETSD stuff. Yeah, yeah like all this like it, and it's completely justified but on the other side of it as an owner it's like well gosh it's year eight and you know i'm about to give this guy i don't know 100 million dollars what if he what if he retires like what you know what happens then what are those like what are those That could be running. What if he he gets a concussion and then decides he doesn't want to play? And now he's challenging, like, you know, 20 years ago, they just would have kept playing, or at least they they could have the discussion. But now he's like, no, I have a concussion. By the way, you need to pay me $80 million more, i.e., Andrew Luck. Yeah, you you can kind of see a bunch of different uh, scenarios here. But bottom line, part of your job as a personnel department, ownership, coaches, is to pick guys who are playing because they want to play, no matter how much money they have in the bank.
1: Right. And and that's just uh, having conversations with that player, really getting to know that player. And that's what organization people need to do. You, know, you can't just be the money people. They can't just be the guy scouting. You got to get to know that player and do it naturally. Don't do it because it's your job. Do it because it will help you grow as a person, as a better human. And then that player grows as a better human because that player I know. I knew when I would talk to Andrew Brandt, that was our negotiator he really was getting to know me just like I was getting to know him. Him is talking, you know, we're talking kids. We talk about wives and kids and how the, how that's going. And that's what makes an organization work. When you have everybody in the building from top to bottom and bottom being Brian Nearing. at, in and in you know, you know who Brian Nearing is being there. He was the equivalent equipment guys. He brought your socks. He brought your clothes to your locker room, red batty and that crew. We know those guys. We know their kid, you know, that's why that it works when you have people on all, all levels understanding what makes us better players because it's that support system there. So that's kind of all just through that in there. All part of that, that that ecosystem of getting a player to play on a guaranteed contract. this thing. So everybody in the organization knows what's, uh, what's going on.
2: I think it's, so, I think it's a long time coming. We need to do it, but uh, there's something else that happened this weekend. I thought was kind of funny or sad. Totally. I don't know. <laughs> the UFC yeah. 274, right? Charles Rivera beats up Gabe 322 into the first round really good fight like I think both guys got knocked down why super exciting but after right. the fight he loses the belt Brazilian fighter he loses the belt because he is half a pound overweight He fight at 155 he comes in at mm. 155 and a half okay mm. and what happens is if you so he shows up in a in a towel at 155 and a half and they go all right dude you got one hour to lose a half a pound. He shows up again and maybe he just sweat all the sweat out of himself, which is, you know, kind of another deal. Right. When He shows up, he's still 155 and a half. And so he so he beats Gagey. If Gagey wins he wins the belt. Oliveira gets nothing. It's a vacant belt now. He has to fight again for it. Oh man. How do you pay days? I mean, there's so many things affected. How do you not make it by half a pound? Now He has a history of not making it before. Oh, does he? Right? Okay. But you just got like, dude, you got to be kidding me with this.
1: Yeah, you can't. That's 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 your business is to be in shape and to be at a weight class. We were on weight class uh, requirements. Um, and it was regardless. I mean, and the guy that we it first pops in my mind is uh, our good friend and teammate, uh, Kevin Barry. But he always got where he needed to be. Even though he wanted to eat on that lineman dinner night on Thursday nights, what would he do? He would not eat. He would He would hey. bring it. He would He'll take everybody's leftovers and put it in the big container to go by. He wait till Friday.
2: He wait till, he weigh till
1: Friday after weigh ins. Weigh in, make his weight, and then destroy everything. <laughs> it's, it's I, be I had, on that I had level. a
2: teammate. You guys, you remember Chris Jenkins? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember Chris Jim. Jenkins was a, was the best he in Carolina. Tackle in the that league was a big years. dude too. That was a big. He, dude. I think his weight. I, I I'll mess this up, but let's okay. just say at one point I remember he was 50 pounds over during the season, and like you could kind of tell, but he carried it so well. You're like tall. That's probably why. Yeah. Yeah, he was like six. He was a big dude, yes. but he was like 50 pounds over in a season, dude. And I was like, I was like, dude, how did you do that? He goes, That's another human. He's like, I can just, I can just put on weight. Like it's just, it is what it is, man. But anyway, people are it's, like that. It's not, so Some I got one more go. for you before we sign off, right? I know. This what's this last episode? one? I
1: want to hear about this one because, like I said, I was okay. I was in Halo World and on in, in the MCU. So tell me what's up with LeBron. Okay, so
2: this actually happened a while ago, but then this Michelle Beadle was on a, a, a podcast this weekend. She was telling the story, and I think everyone I remembers going. the decision, the LeBron James, "Look at me, look at me" decision that literally yeah. everybody on the planet made fun of because it was so ridiculous, right? Just so you know, just a, just a prime example of the guy. But it turns out that, like, he, he started DMing this Michelle Bitter, who at the time was working for maybe Fox Sports, but now she, she, she's ESPN. She's worked everywhere. Very, very, you know, um, accomplished sportscaster. Okay. And it's like, why are you being mean to me? Why are you making fun of me? And, like, and then it turns out, like, he was calling, calling media execs and trying to get her fired mm-hmm. for, like, basically make, mocking what was a ridiculous, you know, self-aggrandizing deal. And it's it's just one of those deals where you know like I'm not a huge LeBron fan, and I was just right. like you know this guy literally can't stay out of it. This guy's got 1000000s he he's got everything he wants. If you go to Instagram on ESPN, fifty percent of the tweets or the grant the, or whatever the pictures are are about him doing something stupid. Him like wiping stuff. his wiping sweat off his mm-hmm. brow at the game. Him, you know, you know, acting out at his son's high school basketball game because he wants to have a t- like it's just nuts. And the, God forbid a media is, calls it, calls funny, funny. And he's like trying to get people fired. You're like, dude, like it's, it's it just, it, it's just so funny because he's, he literally has a world on a platter. Right. And it is continually the same thing. Right. Like I don't like to you said, you're mean. I, you know, I, 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 I want you to be punished.
1: It's just a little surprising. I thought he would, I mean, cause you think, what Dr. Dre said, it. hey, I'm too big for that. I just, you know, I walk over that stuff. You would think, yep. you, I'm too big for that. This uh, right. you know, okay. They're going to drop this line on Twitter. Hey, LeBron, walk over that. you bigger than that, bro. Bigger than that. Don't don't, don't go. Don't stoop to that level trying to end people's right. careers. Just, just, let it go. Let it go. You got, how many, how many championships do you got? Five? Four? Four championships? Not enough. Like that. I guess not yeah, enough. Yes, I not guess. Enough. No, it's not well, enough because you know, Kobe's got five. Kobe's got five. That's true. MJ's I six. know it's, MJ got six. Well, we know Bill Russell got, what, 13? is just start? Is go yeah, there? dude, Bill, Bill Russell's, Russell's playing.
2: Like, there was, like, four basketball teams. And, like, this is when they still dribbled like this. You know? Right.
1: The, 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 and actually looked to pass. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but, yeah. That, <laughs> know, right. Yeah. Uh, but we're at the end of the show. So, I want to say thank you for tuning in, listening to On My Bark podcast with myself and Mike. So next week we will be back on and uh, hey, give you a rundown of what's going on in the Packers world and obviously around the sporting world as well in terms of football, baseball, basketball and uh, give you some more information and, and, and kind of cut you up, get some cuts in here so we can educate you on what we, how we break down film. So I like that segment. I, I love to continue it here, hopefully get some good stuff, um, able to run it where we not don't have all the lag and everything. But there is my, pod, there is my social media right there on the screen, Amon Green 30 on Twitter and Instagram, and Mike's as well on Twitter and Instagram process to perform for him. So everybody, see you next week. Mike, see you next week
2: yeah I think we'll uh I'll try to cut some of this stuff up guys and and, uh on the YouTube clips uh we'll we'll try to break down maybe uh something to Ryan and something to Zach Tom as well I think Zach Tom will will turn out all right we'll put some clips up for Ryan all right catch you later